0: Mark chapter 10. We're going to do this a little differently. Um, The study will be first, and then we're going to pray at the end. And we're going to do just a real simple study tonight, um, which I believe will help us to pray and give us some guidance in terms of what we're going to pray about. So I want to encourage you to take some notes. Um, You can use the back of the card, or um, there are bulletins I'm sure we can use. But this is the account of... Um, Jesus' interaction with Bartimaeus in Jericho. And you're probably familiar with this story. Um, It's only seven verses long, but there are a number of truths. I've had so much fun studying this. You know, you study Scripture a lot, right? And you get used to the accounts, and you think, well, I kind of covered it. I've I've studied and preached this passage before, and I had so much fun studying it again because there's so much truth, and there's so much fresh application Um, that we can learn from Scripture. So, Mark chapter 10, just seven verses tonight, uh, and then we're going to kind of divide it real quickly into four sections, um, and then we'll draw some application, okay? So, Mark chapter 10, start in verse 46. Then they came to Jericho, speaking of Jesus and the disciples, And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples in a large crowd, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. When he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him here. So they called the blind man, saying to him, Take courage, stand up, he's calling for you. Throwing aside his cloak, he jumped up and came to Jesus. And answering him, Jesus said, What do you want me to do for you? Isn't that great that the Lord asks that of us? What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. And immediately he gained his sight. And began to follow him on the road. Now, the first thing we want to see tonight, we're just going to have four. First thing we want to see tonight is at the start of verse 46, and that is Bartimaeus' problem. He had a problem. A lot of us walk in tonight with problems, right? Uh, nobody, I don't think, in this room is free of problems. So, he has a problem. He's blind and he has to beg because of it. Now, in the first century, the opportunities for people that were blind and had disabilities was far less than it is now. Now, people with disabilities are able to kind of get by and there are some opportunities for them. But but a blind person in the first century didn't have much. So, not only did it cause problems from his physical disability and the fact that he probably couldn't get a job, But it was also seen in the first century uh, in Israel, blindness and disabilities were seen as a result of sin. So a lot of people would have thought, well, Bartimaeus, what did you do? The son of Timaeus. Well, maybe there was some past history there with, with the Timaeus family. In whatever the case is, Bartimaeus had a stigma on him. He had something that was associated with him that that wasn't happy. But let's just deal with his physical blindness itself. Because there are spiritual parallels here to the situations that some of us find ourselves in tonight. that, That we have problems that we can't see the solution to that we have problems that we don't know how to handle them, we don't know what's going to happen, we're kind of frustrated, we're a lot frustrated, and we keep kind of asking the Lord, and there doesn't seem to be a strong answer. Now, when we get in those situations, and when there's a lack of clarity, and the possibilities are very um, difficult, and and it seems like it's not going to end well, how do we respond? It's easy to panic emotionally. It's easy to get very discouraged and very despondent, and we start to fear the worst, and, and maybe we feel like we're letting other people down, and, and what do we do with that? And we start to get down on ourselves, and, and we look at it, and we don't feel like there's any recovery, there's any real answer, and, and and we don't want to, but we get kind of short-sighted. And we see the problem as serious, and it is, and the fear is real, and it is, but But what do we do next? We've been there, right? I've been there many, 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 many times. And some of you are going through that right now. Others of us have people around us that are going through it. We just looked at prayer cards that said that people in our congregation have have issues. And I found that during those times, there are three feelings that can rise up. And they have a strong potential to negatively impact our thinking and our faith. Now, the three feelings, number one is insecurity, okay, that, that we can get into that place where we feel like we're not worthy, that, that we're kind of insignificant, that nobody really cares about us, why should I go on, why should I, uh, it doesn't matter, whatever I do, I'm just kind of failing at each step. And the problem with that is that's not humility. That's the enemy's subtle attempt to get the focus completely on ourselves. And he fills our mind with beliefs that are not authentic and they're not um, trustworthy. So we get insecure. The second feeling we get is we feel incapable. Well, because I'm insecure, now I feel like I can't do anything. We lose confidence in our gifts. We lose confidence in our talents. And again, the enemy's trying to undermine any hope and any thought of success that we might have. So we get insecure, and then we start to feel incapable. And when those two things combined, then we get into the feeling and the reality of isolation. We start to separate ourselves and say, well, I can't be around people because I'm a failure and what will they think of me? And we get into this misguided belief that if we're alone, that we won't bother anybody and nobody will have to bear our burdens and that somehow that will get, uh, make things better. Now, what do we do with these feelings? When when those things and those are real, we've all felt those feelings, maybe even today. And, and, and not only do we lose confidence in ourselves when we're dealing with that, but then we start to lose confidence in the Lord. And that's where it really gets serious. And the enemy pushes for us to do this because his goal, his one goal is to undermine faith. His one goal is to direct our focus to ourselves, get our focus away from the Lord, and to say, you are not sufficient, you can't do it, you're worthless, you're miserable, and you have no hope. Now, here's the thing that the enemy keeps forgetting. That's exactly the thing the Lord wants us to say, too. But the Lord wants to direct our focus away from ourselves. You're worthless, you're not gonna make it, you're not gonna get by. And he wants to say, yes, but I can. I am sufficient for you. And while you need to admit that you don't have the answers and you are not worthy, I'm telling you because of Jesus, I'm making you worthy and I'm giving you the answers and I will be sufficient for you and if you will admit that you need me and you'll trust in me, I will take care of you. And we may say, well, I want to see the path. I'll, I want to know where this is headed. But, but we walk by faith, not by sight, right? Bartimaeus is blind. He can't see Jesus in person. He just hears the crowds coming, and he knows that Jesus is the answer, so he hears the crowd, and he says, here's what I've got to do. I've got to cry out. So the first thing he's got is a problem. The second thing we want to see from the text is the persistence of his faith. Mark says Barnabas begins, uh, Barnabas begins to cry out, which means he didn't just do it once, he did it multiple times. How many times do we pray and we get frustrated after a couple times that the Lord hasn't answered? So we stop. Well, I prayed about it. How long did you pray about it? I don't know, a couple times. A week? A month? Prayer is the measure of our faith Prayer is the measure of, I'm going to keep crying out until the Lord gives a clear answer. Because he promises that when I call on him, he will answer. He promises he will come near to me when I call. He promises that I have direct access to his throne of grace through Jesus. And he tells me to come boldly. So I am going to keep praying, I'm going to keep calling on him until he answers. Write down Luke 18 in your notes, because that's a passage where Jesus tells a parable about a woman that keeps going to a judge and saying, I want justice, I need your help. And Jesus says, this is an example that when we pray, we should always pray and never give up. Now that's what Bartimaeus does here. Notice in verse 48 that the people are sternly telling him to stop yelling, to be quiet. Now, I ask myself, why are they being so mean to him? He's blind. He's needy. They know him. He has little hope. They've seen Jesus heal. They know his power. Why aren't they pushing him to the front of the line? Well, they're not pushing him to the front of the line because they're selfish. And because this is one of the subtle secrets of spiritual warfare, that the enemy will send people to discourage us more than we already are. So Bartimaeus, hey, I need some mercy. Hey, Jesus, help me. Hey, Bartimaeus, shut up. Be quiet. Shh. Stop talking. And and it's not just, hey, you know, other people have needs besides you. The text says they sternly told him to stop. Now, sometimes we get people in our lives, and we think they're friends, and we think they're, they're, they have our best interests in mind, but what they try to do is they try to undermine us. And instead of supporting us, they cut us down and cut us back. And that's the enemy. That's the enemy trying to drag us down and discourage us. And then you've got the other part of his attack, which is just full bore, head-on attack. I'm just going to undermine your confidence. Think of Nehemiah when he was building the wall with the people, and Sanballat and Tobiah came along and said, what are you doing? That's, that's not right. You shouldn't do that. You're in the wrong. Bartimaeus is crying out, The people are telling him to shut up, but look at what Bartimaeus does. I love it. Verse 48, as they're sternly telling him to be quiet, he says, no, I'm not going to be quiet. I'm not going to be dissuaded by your words and by your opposition to my conviction. And verse 48, the Spirit says, he kept crying out all the more. I don't know about you, but I need some of that mindset. I need some of that mindset. I just need to keep crying out. I need to keep calling on the Lord. I'm not going to stop trusting. I'm not going to stop crying out to him for help, even though it doesn't seem like anybody's on my side and it doesn't seem like there's any kind of a clear answer. I don't want my answer. I want his answer. So I'm going to keep crying out, and I'm going to be confident because he's always gracious and his ways are perfect. And even though I think there's a right way, i got to remember that the Bible says there's a way that seems right to man, but it leads to death. So I need to submit myself, as we did earlier. I need to surrender myself to the Lord's plan and leading and ask him for what is best. But I'm going to persist. I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to stop until the answer is clear. So there's a problem. There's a persistence. Third, would you see that Jesus' response, it's in verse 49, is personal. Now look back at verse 46 for a second. Notice the time and location of when this took place because it's not accidental. Every single detail that the Holy Spirit gives us is designed to teach us and strengthen us. So he says it's on their way out of town. There's a large crowd. Now both details are important. The fact that there's a large crowd, everybody's cramming around him, everybody's pushing and shoving and trying to get close, it's kind of a claustrophobic nightmare, right? It's like if you guys ever watch the World Cup, when somebody scores a goal, what happens? The the guy rips off his shirt and goes sliding on the ground, and then all the players come and pile on him, right? And that always just creeps me out because I'm like, here are 10 other guys on top of you, and you're at the bottom, and you can't breathe, and you're like, get off of me. This is not fun. I know I scored the goal, but get off of me, right? Well, that's, that's what the crowd was like, pushing, shoving, cramming. It's hot. It's muggy. Uh, down by Jericho, even though you're down by the Jordan River, it's a little cooler, but it's still awful. It's 90, 100 degrees, and everybody's demanding what they want, and everybody's pushing in, and, And here's the thing, Bartimaeus, in the midst of all the commotion, all the crowd, all the pushing, all the yelling, Bartimaeus cries out, and look at what the Lord does. Verse 49, Jesus stops. You know, the Lord's able to hear multiple requests at once, right? And he's able to get personal attention to ours. But I believe the other detail is even more awesome than that. Because the fact that Jesus is leaving Jericho... The implication there from Mark is that he's focused on going to the next city. He's kind of finished his job in Jericho. He's ministered to people and healed people and taught people. And now he's ready to move on. And I can't imagine, I can't fathom the tiredness that Jesus experienced. It's probably a good study at some point. He's worn out. He's weary. Everybody's making demands. And if you look back a chapter to chapter 9, or actually the first part of chapter 10 leading up to this, leading up to Bartimaeus and Jericho, and right before the next chapter as he goes into the triumphal entry. So he's at this pivotal time. In chapter 10, he's challenged by the Pharisees. He has to call the disciples down because parents are bringing their children and they rebuke the children. He talks to the rich young ruler who goes away sad because he doesn't want to follow Jesus. He predicts his own death. And then he deals with James and John who come up to him and say, give us what we want. And what we want is to be prominent in your kingdom. So he's been having fun. And now he comes into Jerusalem, he's ministered, he's healed, he's taught, he's been swamped by the crowds, and now here's another person, another person who's asking him for help. But how many know that the Lord is never too busy to hear our cries? That's the beauty and the power of prayer, is that the Lord is ready to come near to us when we need help. And that's what Jesus shows here. Look at the text, verse 49. He doesn't just tell Barnabas. He tells everybody, have him come here. And the crowd is so huge, apparently Bartimaeus can't hear what he says, so the crowd says, hey, hey, you got the golden ticket. Like, come on. He's calling for you. Come up. Come, come to him. And listen, this is the strength that we have from other believers tonight, that we can say to each other, be strong, go forward in faith. You know, I've had experience, not to, not to always make it about ourselves, but it's powerful when you can say to somebody, you know, I've been through what you're going through. I've experienced that, and God will bring people into your life that are going through the things that you've experienced. Oh, oh listen, I just want to tell you this is encouragement. I've been exactly where you are, and let me tell you, when God, when I trusted in the Lord, God worked. Now, listen, don't get discouraged. I know you're discouraged. I know you're defeated. I know you're disheartened. I know you want to give up. I've been there. Let me tell you, by way of faith, you don't need to stay there. God's sufficient. God will help you. Pray with them, hug them, encourage them, and they start to get strength. So the crowd says, come on, Bartimaeus. You got your time. Jesus is calling for you. Now, Bartimaeus, think about it, between verse 49 and verse 50 He has a choice. He can stay, or he can go to Jesus. Now the whole reason he cried out in the first place is because he believed Jesus would help him. And the same is true for us Don't pray unless you believe the Lord is going to work. And when you believe the Lord is going to work, pray believing. Because if we don't pray believing, essentially we're just throwing wishes up to the sky. Well, Lord, I hope you'll do that, and I wish you would change this situation, and and, and I'm just going to toss this up there, and you just kind of do what you want. No, the Bible says when you pray, believe. Believe. Don't waver. Don't go back and forth like the waves of Lake Michigan on a stormy day, or in and out, and in. A, well, I kind of believe, but my circumstances got bad. But I, but I want to believe. But, oh, this happened, and I don't know what to do. That, that's spiritual schizophrenia. Pray believing. Bartimaeus says, Son of David, have mercy on me. I need your help, and I need it right now. And Jesus stops and personally says, come here look at the last thought. Second to last thought, sorry. Verse 52. Bartimaeus' faith is proactive. It's proactive. His reaction gives us insight into the mindset that we need to have about prayer. He throws aside his coat. And he jumps up to go to Jesus. Now again, two important details. By throwing aside his coat, what's he doing? He's laying aside the one important possession that he has. It's his covering, it's his bed, it's his protection against the sand and the wind. It's the one thing that he has that he needs. But right now, he's about to meet the Lord, so he doesn't even need that. And notice, as he does that, as he throws off his coat, verse 50, he jumps up. Doesn't approach cautiously or timidly, which would be understandable because he's blind, right? If you ask me, I've been in this church many, many, many times. But if you ask me to navigate my way through all these chairs while closing my eyes, I would bump into them. So he's blind He's got to go to Jesus. There's a huge crowd. The road's dusty and rocky. He may not know where in proximity he is to Jesus. He may not know which way to go. So he's got to go to Jesus. But notice he jumps up and he goes directly to the Lord. He's anxious to get into God's presence. And what an important truth that is for us to hear tonight. You guys came here tonight because you wanted to be in God's presence and the enemy works so hard to discourage us and to dissuade us from crying out to the Lord and going to the Lord and he tries to convince us it's beyond hope it's never gonna happen it's too late circumstances are just uh, listen, it's too far gone God can't help you at this point there's no sense trying let me tell you don't believe his lies Because Bartimaeus didn't. When Jesus says, What do you want me to do for you? Bartimaeus says, I want to see again. Listen, you and I are called, we're encouraged to come boldly to the throne of grace and let our request be made known. So when we pray in a couple minutes, let's not be timid, let's not be fearful. Let's not be hesitant, let's not be anxious. Let's just do exactly what the Lord told us we can and should do. And if you need spiritual sight tonight, if you need to have wisdom and to see what the next step is, and Lord, what's my fresh calling, and how can I minister, and what can I say to that person, then let's pray with the exact same confidence that Bartimaeus shows when Jesus says, what do you want me to do? Because when we go to the throne of grace, guess what God's saying? What do you want me to do? You've come here to make your request known. So, so, Paul, what do you want me to do? Lord, I want to see. I want to see. I need, I need wisdom, Lord. I need to know what to do next. Listen, all of us need to ask for wisdom, right? Doesn't matter what your situation is tonight. I, I need wisdom. And God says, when you ask for wisdom, if you ask believing, I'll give it liberally. I'd like some liberal wisdom tonight i like a bunch of abundance of wisdom. So Bartimaeus, notice he's proactive. Last thought. He proceeded toward the Lord. Sometimes when we pray and the Lord works, we not only fail to remember to be grateful enough, but we also quickly forget what we've experienced. And when the next problem rolls up, we're like, what do I do now? And the Holy Spirit's going, what did you do last time? Well, I prayed and you helped me. So why are you wondering what to do this time? Well, the circumstances have changed. And this is happening, and so-and-so said that, and I can't see the end line, and, and I don't know what to do. Just trust in me. Ask me for wisdom, and I'll answer you. Well, but but Lord, no, that's not the way it's supposed to work. Look at the text one more time, verse 52. Bartimaeus is healed. Why? Jesus says, because your faith is strong and confident. You know, the Lord responds to our faith by accomplishing awesome works that might not have been realized if we hadn't trusted in him. And when Bartimaeus experiences the love and mercy of the Lord, there's no hesitation about what to do next. The text says, last verse, he immediately began to follow Jesus. Not just in his heart, not just, oh, that's great, I trust in you now. He literally begins to follow him on the road. Now, every detail, again, is important. For the moment, he left what he knew... He left what was comfortable, even though you say, well, being blind and being a beggar is not comfortable. Yeah, but it's what he knew. And sometimes we stay in comfort zones that are miserable because it's familiar. So he says, I'm not going to... here anymore. It would be natural to say, well, I've been healed. Now I got to go experience life. Jesus, I'll follow you in a little bit. But, but boy, I got so much to do. I can finally see. I can go get a job. I can make something of myself. I can go to places I've never gotten to go before, because I can see now. So, so Jesus, like, like, like some people said, I'll follow you later. Let me go deal with this first. There was not a moment. That word immediately is important. There was not a moment hesitation, he instantly decides that nothing in his past and nothing in his present is as important as walking with Jesus every single day. And whether you're praying about a significant problem tonight, or you're just trying to find strength and joy in the presence of the Lord, that's the bottom line. Nothing compares to trusting in the Lord. Nothing compares to walking faithfully with him every moment of the day. So as we sense his presence, as we have requests that we made known to him, we need to understand that God will work, but we have to pray boldly and confidently, and once he begins to lead down that path, we have to follow him directly. Because if we just say, well, Lord, I want you to answer the prayer. Thanks, Lord. That was awesome. Thank you so much. Now I'm going to go back and do my own thing. We have to continue to follow and continue to pray.